You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to The Buzz, brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast, presented by Magic Mind and Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Skenzik, and today we're buzzing into episode 139. Happy New Year. Yeah, g- good luck to all the people <laughs> who listen on one and a half speed. Oh, like that one. I just threw off your day. <laughs> but, uh, but no, we have a fun episode planned today, and as usual lately, with before we get into all our, our cool, fancy plant stuff. Uh, we want to do a little follow-up on some yeah. of the things that we have going on, upcoming events, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, we don't have a live show. I'm not going to plug a live show because we don't have one. No. But, uh, no. but Fran, you have a big announcement that you want to – something podcast-related that is coming up. Oh, I do? Well, you you have it listed here oh, as the but first we bullet announced, point. But we announced it last time, <laughs> oh, too. Okay, I just yeah, wanted yeah. to do it as a reminder. Guess, yeah. So it's not like a, a big reveal because we already did. But I just wanted to reiterate that coming up. Because we've had a lot of interest as of late. Like a lot of mm-hmm. people have found it much later. Yeah. Um, uh, we will be back with season two of A Native Plant every day, uh, and it should premiere on Monday, March 6th. It's going to be four days a week just like last time so that Friday there's no overlap with mm-hmm. um, Native Plants Healthy Planet. We do have a producer this year that's coming in to help us with it's one mm-hmm. of our coworkers that's been writing the episodes for us. So Tom and I can both play the game. For the first mm-hmm. first part, and we're still trying to work out the kinks, and I know uh, some of the revamping where you would either yep. have me tell you five things or you would guess five yeah. things. There's going to be, we, I think, three or four things that are just givens. Givens. Yeah, with, uh, with a season under our belt, I think we're much more prepared, and, uh, and adding a producer, um, I guess it makes it more refined, I guess it— which we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if she does a good job, or if uh, or if we have to, you know. <laughs> <say>. <laughs> to sorry, we gotta let you go. Um, but consider she lives local. That would be yeah, yeah. And I, I shouldn't be making those kind of jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we uh, just to set expectations. It's only going to be thirty six episodes the mm-hmm. way season one was. So it's it's going to just run for the spring four four episodes a week. Um, we, I was going to ask why thirty six episodes, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, because we don't do all five days in a week." Yeah, we reserve yeah. the the fifth day for Native Plants Healthy Planet. Yeah, and you'd be wondering why I'm saying there's only five days in a week is because we work off a business <laughs> schedule and uh, don't put in yeah. time on the weekends. So you know, if if there's enough written, we may go an extra week. Like it's possible we could go forty. 40 episodes we'll, we'll see how mm-hmm. how it goes this spring but that is our plan uh so we'll go march through may again um and we're really excited to bring it back since it seems a lot of people oh, have found yeah. it and there's a lot of yeah. interest um because i know i learned a lot personally and it was a lot mm-hmm. of fun for us so. yeah no definitely that was a lot of fun really excited to kick that back up um we also have a couple job openings i've been plugging that the last i feel like forever now yes um we are getting into our hiring season. We start getting busy, like, in the office middle of February is when it starts to pick up. Yeah. So we're trying to get some folks in here and, and ready to go. So we have our, our seed salesperson. Um, we're trying to finalize that assistant propagator position we've been looking for for a long yeah. time. Um, 
And yeah, if it, that kind of narrowed down, but and if it makes a difference, that person would work closely the seat person with both Tom and I. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so I don't know that that might not be a uh, a selling point there, Fran. I don't, I don't know. If you thought listening to Fran for an hour and a half a week, oh was a my fun, lord! Just, Imagine <laughs> being cornered and not being able to mute or, or turn the volume down. Take your um, headphones off. And then we have some. Uh, we're looking for someone to help with our shipping. Um, so a lot of pulling plants. That's a pretty fast paced job. Um, doing a lot of UPS work and and uh, and even. More so loading trucks. That's what we're really lo- looking for there. Um, and then we just have a variety of other positions. We have an internship program that is going to kick on this summer uh, that we've got a couple applications already. You can find all of this on our website. It's pylonsnursery.com. In the top left, there's a little menu button like so many other websites have. You click that, and then there's a, a line that says career opportunities. All Everything we have open right now is listed yep. there, and there's a couple I actually have to add. So, okay, um, awesome. Hopefully by there's- the time you're listening to this, it's all up there. But It's a they, they post this is it, it's it's a good opportunity for for uh, they're all good opportunities but in an industry that's really growing um it's exciting times like these next five to ten years are going to be pretty thrilling in what we see in in ecological restoration so this is this is a good opportunity for someone at this point yeah and um we also plugged last time but we have that native native plant growers facebook group so yes. if you are in the industry so we're looking for people who are um, you're not doing this as a hobby or as a gardener, someone who you work in a native plant nursery, you own a native place, plant nursery, you not manage a, one, not a nursery that grows some natives, some natives, people who are, Hey, we're all in on natives. We're a native plant nursery. We consider like, ourselves. Yeah. A native plant nursery. Yeah. This is what we do. Um, or, or seed producer at the yes. same time. Yes. So your, your primary saleable product is native plants and you're doing this for a career that's the kind of people we want in this group because we want to have that like-minded um, individuals come together and kind of form a brain trust in a way. Um, I don't know how much brains are going to be in that trust, seeing that you or I are, are in that's it. That's true. But um, I have a feeling I won't be that something because <laughs> we have we have similar uh, problems. We have yeah. similar uh, ideas. So it's a good way for us to kind of network and work together on things instead of. Being, uh, we consider a lot of our. Yeah. Well, you've had we've had nurseries on here before. We're friendly competitors, um, so why not work together on the big things? We're still going to have some stuff where well, we really want to sell to these people, and we don't want you to. That's always going to happen. But if we can work together on the big things and saying, hey, more people just need to be buying native plants. Let's make that pie bigger for all of us. We're all gonna that rising tide lifts all boats. Uh, technique. That's what we're trying to accomplish there. So if you are, I know there's a lot of growers who listen to this yeah. or in the business, um, shoot me an email or find that native, it's just native plant growers on Facebook. You look that up and request to join. It gives you a little questionnaire. This is to, to weed out the people who are trying to infiltrate our group. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just gives you a little questionnaire so I can kind of vet and say, okay, this person is actually in the business versus not. Cause I don't know all yeah. of you. And wait, and uh, it, like, and without, sounding wrong it, it's we don't want someone that's just has an interest in native plants it, it's yep. we want people that are native plant growers yep, yep. you know and yeah and it, like and that's just because i think we mentioned last time we want to we want to have it people in the people in this group we want to have that base understanding and knowledge 
it's you don't a, need to. It's a give and take. Yeah. It's not just someone coming and saying, "Tell me everything you know," yep, and I'm going to exactly. use it and get started. It's we want it to be a give and take. Like, yeah. hey, I can share this, but I have these questions. Yep, you know, exactly. Thing, so. so, and then the last thing I had on here, Fran, was it's our trade show season, it and is. that starts literally Wednesday. Um, yeah, actually, is. for us, Monday because we were yeah, that's up. true. Yeah, so um, we're going to be at. Uh, it's the Mid-Atlantic Nursery Trade Show. In Baltimore. It's in Baltimore. That's uh, We're going down Monday to set up. We'll be there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yep. Uh, we're going to go to the New Jersey ASLA show, which is this uh, landscape the architect show. The 29th of January through the 31st, which is a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Okay. and uh, then Which um, we exhibit the, the Monday, yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. There's the Partnership for the Delaware Estuary Conference, conference which, which is, is in the same hotel. It's different just floors. Different yeah. floors. <laughs> so at, this is really so great for At us. the same time. It's on the same day. January yeah. 31st, um, uh, 30th, 31st, and February 1st. Yeah, and then I'll be at Total Pro Expo, which is our New Jersey uh, Nursery and Landscape Association show. Um, that's going to be on January 31st and February 1st. I'll be there at least one day. So, um, and, and those dates for the Mid-Atlantic Nursery Trade Show, or MANCE, is the 11th through the 13th yep, of, that's right. of January. So. so. And why I want to list those out, the stuff that we have coming up over the next month, is uh, if you listen to this podcast and you want to say hello and give us a pat on the back and say what a great job we're doing, we are more than open to that. We oh, want you to come in and, and, and you, you uh, pat snap, our ego, egos a little you bit. You want to snap a selfie yeah, take with us? Take some pictures. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and we'll, it's, have, we'll have our Native Plants Healthy Planet stickers. Yes. Yep. So um, at least one of us will be wearing Native Plants Healthy Planet t-shirts. I don't know if I, mine are going to come in time. <laughs> I ordered them. Mine like, are all here, and uh, I'm I'll ready to go. Just, I'll be borrowing friends. So I'll have them wanna, on. Yeah. I'll have them on all three um, days. But, uh, yeah, so I, I say that because I know there's people who are going to be at these shows that listen to our our show, and we want to get to know people, too. It's a, it's a like, I joke around about it. We're in a room by ourselves just kind of talking, and but we're talking to thousands of people out there, and it's nice to kind of put a name and a face with who's actually consuming this information. With, so. tech, with technology, trade shows have really changed. Yeah. Where back in the day, it was where, first of all, you didn't have as many nurseries or sales reps. Mm -hmm. But you would go there, pick up a business card, grab a catalog, maybe place your order while at the show. We don't produce a catalog anymore. You know, there's digital business cards. People are placing orders all the time. It's not just the, the seasons have changed. The industry has changed. So really the main function at the trade show is meeting people and talking yeah. to them. So yeah. if you don't stop by and do that, it's a very lonely show. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, Which, it's, it's, I think it's just an, uh, another opportunity to network and, uh, yes. we'd love to get to meet you guys. So exactly. I agree. Yes. I agree. I think that's all of our, yeah. Our let's get uh, into the plants reviving with this week and start with that's hot. Would you like to go first, or oh, I'll, I'll go first since you put me on the spot there. Okay, and say uh, mine is one that we've talked about a ton, and uh, and that's eastern red cedar, which is Juniperus virginiana. How many times has this been our or one of our that's hot plants? This maybe the, I think we've each done it once, maybe or I don't yeah. know. It's it's at least the second time. I think I've done it twice myself. Okay, um, and why I chose that is not because it's January and it's an evergreen plant and. <laughs> That's why I've chosen it before. Uh, I'm actually choosing friend. Do you know why I'm choosing this plant? I, I don't. Yeah. Well, if you look to your left, my right, you'll notice there's a big pile of wood on the floor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, I almost forgot and, about um, that. So, yeah, we're doing a little office remodel. 
And um, and one of the ideas, I actually, when I went to Roundstone Native Seed in Kentucky, they had a they have a lot of like wood open wood walls, and I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I'd love to do something like that with our office remodel. So when I was at Home Depot, uh, I was in there, and I'm like, look at oh, okay, what can I pick out? And I saw they had Eastern Red Cedar, um, like shiplap planks. And I there, do, I and, love that they have both the botanical and the common yeah, name listed oh yeah. on the the packaging. So I bought a bunch, and we're gonna make our wooden wall is gonna be with that on there, and. It's just a good reminder that forest products are important habitat in a sense, too. I I think our forestry industry has changed a lot, um, especially here on the East Coast, where there's still issues with it. But they're thinking about creating habitat in a sense. Because you plant a tree and you want to harvest the lumber. It's not like that tree. It's not like other businesses where, oh, I'm going out and I'm planting it one day. And I'm going, even like farming, and I'm going back in the fall to go get it. No, you're waiting not even just years, decades in a lot of cases before you're harvesting this stuff. So in the meantime, you have, in some cases, this actual habitat. So yeah. it was something um, when I was thinking about it for a while, I'm like, oh, it's a native species, species we grow. It's, it's probably from not that far away from where we are. So uh, that's we, what's going to be on our wall. And we, it smells great. Yeah, and yeah. I, they have it. They have it listed as aromatic cedar, but yep. I love that um, it's something that we've talked about, but we've talked about it in a different way yeah. each time, uh, which just proves its value to me and every every time that we talk about it. So yeah. I think that's awesome. That's a great choice. Yeah, and I can't even pronounce your choice, friend, so I'll let you know. I'll it's actually you something it. that we used to grow when I first started here. I don't know if it's that uh, species, but – uh, my choice for this week was coastal dog, dog hobble, which is Lakothaway axillaris. I think we used to grow Lakothaway. I can't remember which one. I want to say Racemosa, but I can't remember because um, I can't remember if that's a native one or not. But that one's deciduous. Um, yeah, I don't know. So Lakothaway, low-growing evergreen shrub, which is two to four foot tall by three to four foot wide, and it's vase-shaped. Uh, white blooms with a slight fragrance in May, kind of resembling Japanese Andromeda or Heather. Um, it's native from southern Virginia to Florida. So you, you're you not familiar with it just because it, it's not native where we are here in New Jersey, but it goes west to Louisiana. It's a facultative wet, so it doesn't like wind. It dries out in the wind. So it's it has to be a little more protected if you take it out of its native range. Um, it has a thick and shiny dark evergreen leaf resembling like a laurel, like a cherry laurel, um, which turns purplish in the winter. There are cultivars that are hardy further north. I know it's a nursery production in, in Pennsylvania, so uh, you can find it locally to here. Um, let's see. Uh, Lakothaway was the name of one of the many loves of Apollo. So that's where the genus Lakothaway comes from. Axillaris refers to refers to the flower clusters born in the leaf axils, and this information was courtesy of Missouri Botanical Gardens, which I always like to throw a shout out of where I find yeah a lot about it. I, I should give a shout out to where I found my information. That was Home Depot in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> <That was. laughs> but it's a, you know if you're in more of a southern area and you're in that native range, you're probably already familiar with with dog hobble, but. It's a great evergreen shrub that just doesn't make it this far north. Maybe with climate change, we'll see <laughs> in in a decade or so. But uh, it's it's a great choice, and it's one that people should know about. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look that plant up because I hadn't even heard of it. And um, 
let alone know that we grew it at some point. When, when I worked at Star Roses, we grew uh, Lakothway Axillaris. I think it was a variety called Rainbow. It's called mm-hmm. Rainbow uh, Lakothway, and I think you know which was definitely more hardy. Uh, I remember shipping it a little bit further north. So um, I know there's cultivars that that extend that hardiness range, but if, if you want to keep it native in that native range, it's that southern. It's really like the Virginia Beach area of Virginia, mm-hmm. south of Florida. Yeah, no, that's, I'm looking it up now. That is a really interesting looking plant. I love the flowers on it. Yeah, and it does. So you get a little bit of of some of the things that people like about some non-natives like Japanese mm-hmm. Andromeda, you get that very similar bloom. Or if you like cherry laurel, this is going to give you a very similar look. Yeah. So it's yep. it's 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 giving you the best of a lot of things um, that people like of non-natives. So it's it's good to bring attention to it if you're unfamiliar with it. So that's it. What do you cool. think? I think two great choices. Yeah. You can never go wrong with Eastern Red Cedar. Um, I just, well, you can, but it's if, uh, if we, we've talked about that before too. <laughs> But uh, if you live in any of these uh, areas where these plants are native, make sure you add them to your garden. They're both uh, great choices. So you ready? Yeah, let's get into this week's botany-based current events. And, of course, we always make it a competition. We're going to start. That's hot. Or excuse me, this or that. Oh, Oh. I jumped the gun, too. It's okay. I screwed up. All right, uh, all right. This is this or that. Uh, There. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, I'm, I'm drawing a blank as to whether or not I updated what the articles were last week. I think they are updated. So was, my article was about volunteer opportunities with native plant restorations in California and how some of these native plants help uh, areas that have been ravaged by fire. And yours was also based in California about carbon offset. Um, and was it for credits for carbon offset? Yeah, uh, they had – um, And that the, a, the, the data was kind of skewed a little bit at how – they're, they're able to read it better through satellite, through satellite imagery. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, um, and we do have a winner, and the winner is Tom nine to five. So I think that's two weeks. That's in a, row a Dolly for you. Parton song. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I knew that one. <laughs> so you get to choose whether or not I kind of cheat it with my article. I'm sure you're looking yeah, at it yeah. going. I thought I talked about this last time. You did, but you didn't choose it, and I figured yeah. you could talk about it more when I do it. Yeah, so no, you get, no, no, no. You get to uh, choose if, if you go first or second. I'll I'll go first because mine's relatively short, and then I can I can be in the spotlight twice. Oh, in, there uh, you go. In one, it, yeah, <laughs> one totally. Episode. So uh, my article was titled Biodiversity of Bee Population Critical for Ecosystems. Um, it was sent to me by my dad who found it on um, – it was the print.in, which I'd never heard of. And uh, th- this is actually something I've noticed it. This is gonna. This might uh, be a bad thing to say, but I don't know. I've noticed my dad sends me stuff from he, the Newsbreak app all the time, which I don't have. No, but I've noticed the only people who ever send me stuff from the Newsbreak Newsbreak app are like sixty five plus. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this Newsbreak app? And why does everyone who's who's older have it? And that's the only way they send articles to me is. Is through the Newsbreak app. He's been then, he's been yeah. CCing me on some of these yeah. too, and that's why I'm like, oh, he sent it to both of us. Yeah, like I don't know. Did he send this one to you? I don't know. He sent it to my brother. I but, don't um, know if this one he did or not. I yeah. can't remember. He had sent a few, but it wasn't just to me. It was either to me and you, or me, you and Steve. So maybe maybe someone uh, 
Maybe Saul can call in and talk to us about the Newsbreak app. He's bound to have it. He's got to have it. And it's been a while. But no, if someone actually knows more about the Newsbreak app, uh, send it on over. Uh, Send me some information. Just don't send it through the Newsbreak app because then I'll have to go look up what the headline is and Google it someplace else to to get the article. I have to tell you, this is the first time I encountered it. I have been loving and have been using Apple News because I'm an Apple One subscriber, Mm -hmm. so I get it for free. And the article I wanted to use that I found on Apple News – actually had a paywall and it was about and i couldn't read the whole thing but it was about um an organization in florida that was doing drawings artwork of native plants and leaving them where native plants exist so that you could take a copy Mm -hmm. so you could see a native plant growing naturally in native conditions see artwork and take a copy of the artwork home to learn about it maybe put it in your yard and i thought that was a fantastic program but i didn't get by the the paywall so i couldn't use it and i don't know anything more than that but it's somewhere in florida yeah yeah so interesting i i get a lot like that nowadays where it's like oh it doesn't let me read it anymore but i was just looking up more about newsbreak and it was a it was i remember he reading this it was like a chinese company that started similar to tiktok I'm I've I've talked a lot of trash about TikTok. Um I've been, I make TikToks, but I don't post them on TikTok. <laughs> but um yeah, and that's like a Chinese owned company and they basically just mine all your data and are it's at the in the hands of the people in Beijing. Yes. And they can do whatever they want. And it probably doesn't matter for most people. Yes. But I would think most people, some people like that yeah. it's because one of the things I found out is how we do this all the time where we start to start our article and then we just start talking about random stuff. I found out like a while ago, it's, you know, when you have that, you have a conversation with someone about um, toothpaste, for instance, and then you go home and all of a sudden it's like, you're getting advertisements for that toothpaste or that store or whatever. And you're like, Oh, were they listening to me? And there was, I think it might've been a TikTok that I saw about this. And it was saying, Oh yeah, that's like a really expensive way to do it. They just, when you have why it happens is a lot of times when you've had a conversation with someone about something, one of you has looked up that thing before on your phone. Yeah. And so they don't actually listen to you. It's just you've looked it up on your phone or they've looked it up on their phone. And when you're sharing the same Wi Fi, basically, since Fran and I are sitting in the same room, my phone has access to his phone yeah. through the Wi Fi. Yeah. So any data that's available on his phone is available through my phone. And there's People, this is when you download something on Apple. It says AirSnap app not to track. Yeah. This is one of the things that it does because Apple's very against this. But um, it'll basically take that data from Fran's phone and put it on my phone. And that's why Fran and I can be talking about, oh, we want to go to – I was at this restaurant. It was really good. And then it's like all of a sudden I start getting ads for that restaurant. And it's, it seems like it's listening to me, but really just took the data off his phone because he had a Google stop there. Or- and it shows – that, and then it's – Presenting it to me because well, they probably talked about this. So yeah. it seems like it's listening, but they're not actually listening. Um, there's much cheaper ways to get that inf- information. So I've been told. So I wasn't sure if with – like because we have a lot of Alexa-enabled yeah. devices in our house. Yeah. I didn't know if that was any different because there were times where I know Agatha and I have had conversations and literally mm-hmm. we got ads within five minutes. Yeah. And now it's possible one of us looked it up. Yep. I don't remember. Yep. But yeah, it was a little freaky though. Yeah, I don't know. We'd have to ask the guy who made that video. But anyway uh, – TikTok now, so all that information, not just my information on my phone, but the people that are in my household and where I work is available to the people who have access to the information on yeah. TikTok, um, the developers. And I think there was similar concerns with Newsbreak. 
okay. where okay, you have all these subscribers and okay, I'm at dinner at my parents' house and now my dad has news break and now there's access to my data, which doesn't matter for me, but say I was a congressman yeah. or a governor or someone with much more importance than I have now, then it's a security risk. And that's why they banned TikTok on any um, on a lot of college campuses. And then uh, I think if you're a sitting member in federal government, you can't have TikTok wow. on your phone now. They just banned it last week, um, which I, I, as a citizen, yeah. I think is really smart. Yeah, I it's, agree. But as a business person, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of advantages to having TikTok. Yeah. And maybe Newsbreak too, but... The places we go when yeah. <laughs> we start talking about that. Anyway, back to my article. Uh, <laughs> biodiversity of bee populations critical for ecosystems. It was in the print. Um, and I'll read a little bit. Then I'll give my thoughts on the article and not TikTok and Newsbreak in right. China. Awesome. So, <laughs> so uh, It wouldn't be a buzz if we didn't get sidetracked. What's that knocking Let's... on the door? <laughs> so, oh, the FBI's here. What's going on? <laughs> so. <laughs> Did you just throw your phone out the window? What's... So uh, in the first study of its kind, Rutgers determined how many more species of bees are required over the long term to maintain crop production. Scientists said in a report just published in the journal Natural Ecology and Evolution that biodiversity of bee populations is essential to preserving the ecosystem function of crop pollination, which is crucial to the availability of food for humans. We found that biodiversity plays a key role in the stability of ecosystems over time, said Natalie Lemansky lead author of the study and a postdoctoral researcher in Department of Ecology, Evolution, and Natural Resources at the Rutgers School of Environmental and Biological Sciences, uh, which is SEBS for short. Yep. Uh, you do not need to know, or you do actually need more bee species in order to get a stable pollination service over growing season and over years. The team on the study focused on various populations of bees at dozens of farms in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and California, and found that many more bee species were not only needed for pollination than expected over an entire flowering season, but even more were needed over multiple years. The researchers said they discovered different bee species pollinated the same types of plants at different times of year. They also found that different species were the dominant pollinators on the same kinds of plants in different years. Because of natural fluctuations in bee populations, researchers said the bee species or all bee species, all bee species present were needed to maintain a minimum threshold of pollination during lean years. We found that two or three times as many bee species were needed to meet a large target or meet a target level of crop pollination over the course of a growing season compared to a single date, Lemansky said. Similarly, twice as many species were needed to provide pollination over the course of a six year uh, six years compared to a single year. The researchers based their analysis on their own extensive observations of bee visits to flowers and measurements of the number of pollen grains deposited on individual flowers over weeks and months within a given calendar year and then over multiple years. They uh, collected the data with permission of farmers at 16 blueberry farms in South Jersey, at 25 watermelon farms in Central Jersey and Eastern Pennsylvania, and at 36 watermelon farms in Northern Central Valley of California. The magnitude of the increase in species needed over multiple years were remarkably consistent among crop systems when considered over the same interval of time, Lemansky said. In addition, the fact that the relationships between, the, uh, between time scale and the number of species needed did not level off suggests that even longer time series spanning multiple seasons may further bolster the need for biodiversity to ensure reliable ecosystem service. So, uh, First of all, would you have yeah. guessed there were 25 watermelon farms in central New Jersey? Well, it depends on what – are you counting my brother as one? <laughs> he, he grew <laughs> no, like yeah. 600 watermelons. Wow. Did he really? Well, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I forget but no, about – no, I would not have. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought of that as a staple New Jersey crop. Yeah. When you yeah. think of 
peaches and tomatoes and mm-hmm. and all those other yep. things. Cranberries, Cranberry. blueberries, that yeah. kind of stuff. Where we're we're in the top five for a lot of those for yeah. uh, corn. Yeah. yeah. But, so um, yeah, but it was really interesting that this research one was being done. It's something we've we've speculated on after talking to some different farmers yes. um, that because a lot of this pollination service gets lumped onto one back, and that's honeybees. Yes. Everyone's like, oh, honeybees are what does all the pollination. And when you really dive into it, that's not necessarily the it's case. The tr- yeah. And um, and there's other studies we've come across that said that when you had honeybees present, your pollination was actually lower in some they'll... cases because they're spending so much time chasing away the competition, these other bees, and not pollinating. Um, and I've heard observational uh, evidence of that kind of stuff yes. too. Yeah. So it's uh, – it's interesting to actually put this down that you don't, you can't just get away with one species of bee with honeybees, especially with blueberries and watermelons and some of the or blueberries one for being yeah. a, a native plant crop in a way. Um, well, you have native insects that are adapted to pollinating that crop. Yeah. So you're to limit the biodiversity doesn't really make a lot of sense. And the blueberries we've talked to that did this and got rid of the honeybees said, well, we had an earlier crop, a better crop, and it was just all yeah. over. Early is yeah. good because you're selling your blueberries at top dollar because yes. the market's yeah. hungry at that point for, for berries. Um, so, yeah, it's just really fascinating research that uh, that's done Like the here. fact that it's not just you need – it's like, hey, you need more pollinators but more diversity of pollinators in order to – And then it, not just diversity this year but also – Over time. Like over time, like over – Five six year period because and this makes sense because it's like the what the the fox and the rabbit experiment the wolf and yeah. the rabbit experiment and you have some go up some go down well the yeah. same thing's going to happen with bees yeah. due to food availability or, or winter or different uh, factors so yeah you're going to have bees that they don't have as their population declines and one now, year and then goes up the next so if they aren't available to pollinate your other things are going to have to fill that void and not just so. that for most blueberry growers you're not looking at straight species native blueberries yeah. they're yeah. using cultivars which which need, can, a lot of times need the cross pollination yeah cross they need the cross pollination and their bloom time is a different time so mm-hmm. if you have multiple cultivars it's not just one blooming peri- period it's multiple blooming periods in order to get the 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 pollination across the the whole crop so it makes sense when you think about it that way, and that's not something everyone thinks about. It's it's not just straight species; it's it's cultivars. So, and they need that cross pollination. So, that's a fantastic article. Yeah, no, it's fun, and um, and I think your article has uh, we have another geographical link here, right? Yeah. So, uh, my article is because you just attended uh, the Senate. Was it Senate? What did? Uh, I think it was a yeah, it was a Senate committee. Senate committee hearing that Tom just attended. So my article is called New Jersey Set to Tackle Plant Invaders. Uh, this is by Tom Johnson and it appeared in New Jersey Spotlight uh, News.org. Um, so this is something we already kind of talked about, but this will give us a little bit more. Uh, it's not a very long article, but it gives you a little more insight to what we were talking about. Um, the legislature is stepping up efforts to eliminate the havoc invasive plants create in New Jersey. The Senate Environment and Energy Committee unanimously approved a bill earlier this month that would ban, in most cases, the sale and distribution of certain invasive plants. The legislate, legislation, the legislation, which is S-2186, also would reestablish the New Jersey 
Invasive Species Council, an organization created by former uh, Governor John Corzine, Corzine 18 years ago. New Jersey is one of only five states that does not have a statewide ban on the sale of the worst invasive plants, such as Japanese barberry, Norway maple, English ivy, Phragmites, and Chinese silvergrass, just to name a few, according to the state's Native Plant Society. The Garden State is way behind other states, said Laura Bush, a member of the organization. The legislation, sponsored by Senator uh, Linda Greenstein, uh, which is Democrat from Mercer County, Senator Bob Smith, Democrat from Middlesex County, is designed to cover invasive plant species that are widespread and pose a risk to the ecology of the state. Many plants for sale in New Jersey have been introduced from other continents, some intentionally, others by accident. Even a relatively small number of non-indigenous plants can take over large amounts of space that otherwise would be occupied by native species. Those invasive, invasive plants can crowd out native species and create – or I'm sorry, spread rapidly because they lack natural enemies that might control them. The legislation would require the State Department of Agriculture to create a permitting system for the safe distribution of certain invasive plant species, including permits for research or educational purposes. The department also would be allowed to add species to a list of invasive plants if it finds that a species threatens ecological or cultural resources in the state. Uh, the New Jersey Invasive Species Council would be charged with developing a state invasive species management plan no later than one year after the effective date of the bill. The council would consist of ex-official uh, members of the state um, agencies and public member appointed by the governor. The previous council estimate – or sorry, established in 2004 – was disbanded by former Governor Chris, uh, Chris Christie back in 2010. A report estimated that invasive plants and other invasive species had an economic impact on agriculture of $290 million a year. Besides the Native Plant Society of New Jersey, other organizations have stepped up to educate the public about the risks posed by invasive plants, including the Friends of Hopewell Valley Open Space, uh, which established a New Jersey Invasive Species Task Force. The New Jersey Forestry Association claims that invasive species problems have increased dramatically over the past two decades, identifying 21 plants that have invaded woodlands in the state. Properly applied herbicides have proven the most effective for controlling invasive plants, according to a brochure prepared by the association. Under the bill, a person who sells, offers for sale, distributes, or propagates an invasive plant species for sale or distribution without a permit from the department – would be subject to a civil penalty penalty of up to $100 for a first offense, $200 for a second offense, and up to $300 for a third or subsequent offense. That's not a lot of money to be fined. No, if you're, I, was, no I, was just, I was thinking the same I, thing. I, I hadn't known about what yeah. the penalty was yeah, yeah. Uh, until I just read that last last uh, paragraph, and I'm like, so if you're if you're growing ten thousand crimson pygmy barberry and you're making tens of thousands of dollars, are, is it three hundred dollars a plant? That yeah, I don't know um, about that. I, I remember seeing that fine in the the bill, and I'm like, ah, that doesn't seem like that much. But I don't remember what it actually said if it was by all right. I was going to say, if it's just a, a general $300 fine, that's not going to prevent anyone from growing these crops because yeah. they're making a lot more money out of that. But uh, first of all, I got to say, I, I got new glasses that are coming, and I can't mm -hmm. wait because I'm realizing as I'm reading, like a lot of my stumbling or I'm having trouble yeah. <laughs> So not, hopefully that will be better. No, that's, hopefully that will be better by the Or you the, get LASIK like I did. You can go and do that. It's, it's mainly reading. So it's – Yeah, it wouldn't work then. It doesn't, it doesn't help. Um, but I, I think this is great first steps 
It's a lot of things we're really behind, even though we probably started before most of the yeah, states. That's one of the things I really picked out is like, and I've been thinking this the whole time is, man, we were really one of the first states to do this. Yeah. And now we're one of the last yeah. because of of politics. And yeah. that's how things things work. Is, also, it's just, well, these invasives are a, creating $300 million in yeah. agriculture sales. Yeah. But and, um, yeah, it's just a change in, in, in politics and things get held up a little bit. Which in politics is like a year or two. Yeah. But when you're um, you're putting up to election every four years, and and we've seen uh, there's really good examples out west of um of what's the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a term. It's like ballot box biodiversity or something. Ballot, ballot box ecology, something like that. You look at some of the well, the wolf reintroduction in Colorado is a really good example yeah. of it, where something was kind of happening on its own. Yes, and you have um, when you look at the the map, the voting map, when they voted, are we going to reintroduce wolves in Colorado or not? It was where they wanted to put the wolves voted overwhelmingly no. The people who wanted to do it were in the city centers where they were never going to have those interactions. Yeah. So it's like, well, whose who's opinion really matters more here? The people who aren't going to have these interactions or the people who potentially the ranchers are going to have day-to-day interactions with this and it's impacting their livelihood. Um how our political system works, it doesn't. So it's, I get, I get a little aside there, but that's kind of what you have here sometimes. Well, it's just whoever's in power is decides what's important. Yeah. And sometimes just because things take a little bit too long, they get completely ditched. Even though you, in that case, they were at the finish line. It was done. Yeah. Back in 2009, it was done. And it was just, there was this little hold up. And then it just got completely scrapped. But you know what? Things have changed since then, and and you get to rework that approach. Maybe there was uh, wording in previous mm-hmm. iterations of this where maybe you couldn't make the change. Like I love that you can add to this list. Like I love that you have this list, but over time that list can change, and you can keep adding things as you see the environmental impact of what's going on. So, And I love that. You know, it's going to have an invasive species uh, task force, you know, and especially we've had fr- uh, Dr. Uh, Michael Van Cleff on here from yeah. Friends oh, of yeah. Hopewell Valley Open uh, and, Space. Uh, and uh, Emil DeVito, Dr. Yeah. Emil DeVito was there and he was, when you go, they used to have the picture of me on there. Yes. Um, yeah. It's not, it's now it's some. Oh, they changed it. <laughs> the, I think the caption is actually uh, some invasive and beautiful like chinese silvergrass <laughs> beautiful but invasive chinese silvergrass but it used to be a picture of me and uh and well, then there's some people that are in the way uh, so you can't see all but, of me they're covering but, me up but, a little bit but a perfect example is like uh japanese silvergrass if you drive right down the road from mm-hmm. the nursery route 206 going towards uh 537 right before you get to the the diner to the right the the county uh parkland mm-hmm. if you look of through all this broom sedge, you'll see big clumps of Japanese silvergrass all throughout that meadow. Yeah, coming in. So, like, and no one planted it there. That's all coming in. So, you know, people just say, "Oh, it's not spreading all over my yard." That's where it's going. <laughs> it is. It is showing up. There is proof. So, it is beautiful. But there's a lot of fantastic. Uh, I know Kyle Liebarger just posted a, a meme today about. Japanese silvergrass, and when you talk about all the native grasses mm-hmm. and the diversity and and the biohabitat or the biodiversity and habitat they they promote compared to Japanese silvergrass, it's hands down. There's there's no 
There's there's yeah. not even close. So, Fran, I you know I'm just looking up different articles. I was like, oh, they took down my picture. Where did they put it? Yeah. And I found from the New Jersey Monitor, they actually have my quote. But really? they don't have it accredited. To uh, me. So yeah, they they just wrote nice. that um, I, we support the bill. The New Jersey Nursery and Landscape Association supports the bill as long as they get a seat at the table. If the council does not or does officially reconvene, a representative testified. That representative was me. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted my credit. Uh, uh, who wrote that article? Yeah. There you go. I'll have to you write in. Write and say. But no, I'm, me. I'm just kidding. I don't really care um, about all that. But it, it was a really awesome day to see. That it was had unanimous support. A lot of the stuff it was it was also interesting to see the inner workings of how these committees work because they bring forward. Well, I was lucky enough that I got to work with um, a, a lobbying group, yeah. so they they knew the deal already because I walked in and they thought I filled out the paperwork to s- testify and I didn't know I needed to. I thought they were doing that for <laughs> me, so they went and did it for me. Okay, but um, you have to like walk in. There's little slips of paper. You write down the bill number if you're in support or against. And then um, if you want to testify about it or not. Okay. And uh, and most of the ones up until that point, everyone was in support, but no one wanted to testify about it. It was just like, we just support it. We okay. want to be on the record of supporting it, but we don't need to say anything. Okay. okay. This was the first one where a lot of people needed to say something. And um, and I think it over, overwhelmingly had was supported by the whole committee. Yeah. I think even last time when I brought it up briefly, there was uh, the really – for New Jersey, it hadn't made national news. There's a really famous um, uh, race in for state senate in South Jersey, where I can't remember the guy's name. He was our the Democratic uh, Party head, uh, Representative Sweeney from South Jersey. Yeah. He got beat by this guy who was a trucker and was like new to politics. His last name was I think it's Ed Durr, something Durr. Okay. And uh, he so he was on this committee. I'm like, oh man, this is kind of neat because it just yeah. I'd seen his face before. Um, and but he had some really good questions. I was like, based on your your news bias, you yeah. could feel one way or another. But he had some really good questions about awesome. this this bill in particular, other bills too, but this bill in particular, and making sure it was going to include the New Jersey Nursing and Landscape Association, which obviously I was there to support. Um, and just say, hey, I want to make sure that they, and this was a big thing for the New Jersey Nursing and Landscape Association too, is this Invasive Species Council isn't just there to say, this is the law. Yeah. Like, we're, we, they aren't writing laws. They're giving advice, and then it goes to the lawmakers to actually make it law, yeah. which was important because it's really, in any business, it's tough when you have someone, not for our business, yeah. but for the nursery business as a whole, you have someone who can just arbitrarily, arbitrarily pull the strings if can feel yeah. um, we wanted to avoid that. But, yeah, it was he had some really good questions about all that kind of stuff, and um, – Representative Greenstein, or excuse me, Senator Greenstein had a lot of good questions. Yeah, I mean, it was good all around. As far as the nursery industry goes, like, this is good for our industry, but it affects us very little because we're not growing any of these. Realistically, we're we're a very small part of the nursery industry in New New Jersey. Yeah, realistically, from a business perspective, for Pinelands Nursery, yeah, this bill passing. Potentially hurts us because more, more than people, it could ever help us. More people. Will so what it's going to do plant. is shift more people into growing native plants. Yeah. Um, I don't think overall it's going to hurt us. I think it's just going to raise the awareness on yeah. on native plants. Well, we talk and, about we always need more people. We need more yeah. native plants to to do this and more awareness. Yeah. And I think it brings that. And it's and one of the things that 
it's something we advocate for, and a lot of people advocated this for this. Even um, the environmentalists that that testified. Well, I'm not saying I'm environmental or I'm not an environmentalist, but um, it was like there's there's are proven sterile cultivars of things, um, especially Japanese barberry, and there's 20 years of research that are showing this is sterile, um, and or certain varieties are sterile, and they want to make sure that it's exempt. This is another place we get really lucky yeah. as New Jersey now that we're on the like yeah. one of the last states yes. to do it. All these other states have done it, and they've shown us how to do it the right way. Yeah. So we are we just have to copy off what New York did and Pennsylvania did, and we'll be in good shape, yeah. and we can tweak it for us. And but New York and Pennsylvania, they have the exemptions, or at least New York has the exemptions for the sterile cultivars of Japanese barberry. But what it does in my mind. Is I'm going to a garden center. I'm oh I heard I read Japanese bear, barberry is invasive and I can't buy it anymore. Oh, but here's this one that it says it's sterile. Obviously, you're you're already you're having second. Yeah. Da- yeah. You're questioning that. You're having second guesses about it, and um, it's just even though you have these exemptions, it's gonna you still people are gonna be thinking about it. Yeah, totally. And think, oh, but. It, there's invasive stuff out there, and what's a better option? So it's um it's good for native plants, even though it doesn't address native I agree. plants at all. I agree. So. It's 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 a fantastic thing. So I'm yeah. I'm glad that so many articles have there were, there were a ton of articles about this that I could have mm-hmm. chosen. But you so. chose the one that that didn't quote me. <laughs> well, it wasn't credit to you. Didn't I didn't even, know. Didn't even take. I didn't include know. my picture. It's not a great picture of me. If we're being completely, well, I, I look I, like I was just woke up when I chose well, this. Your picture was still yeah there yeah so, yep. um and that's what made me stop and look at it again because i was like oh there's a pic- i've seen that picture a lot over the last oh week. yeah yeah um but these are two great articles to just recap tom has the article on uh the necessity of bee biodiversity um and i have the article about new jersey adopting uh an invasive species bill uh both great articles so by the time you hear this the voting uh post should be up on our native plants healthy planet facebook group so make sure you go there and vote because and of course the choice is yours so before we do listener shout outs yes. Ryan, i wanted to see if you had any good christmas cookies this this year Ooh, you know uh we we kind of stuck my my sister makes a ton of cookies and i know one of our um co-worker skipper his his wife made some fantastic chocolate chip cookies and and agatha kind of stuck with chocolate chip this year because that's what we all eat so yeah. well, how so, about you did you well, have my mom always makes all these like crazy christmas cookies it's like she just can't make any normal cookies which is fine because yeah. they're all really really good um but then my aunt from texas sent up uh a cookie i'd never it's not even really a cookie but it's called an nanaimo bar have you ever had one of them no and um they're actually really good because it's like it's chocolate and then like a cream layer and then there's i was eating them upside down too which was yeah. interesting there's like a, a coconut almond like oatmeal part on the bottom and yeah. it was layered and then cold and really well, really good when i think of a, a naimo there's a there's actually a place in haddonfield by where i live called a naimo juice bar well this is, is very healthy this is actually nanaimo which is uh about the pacific northwest okay i think they're like a british columbia oh, thing gotcha and which makes sense because she's from canada oh, she originally oh, she's uh sense. um originally from winnipeg but she's also like 
super into the health and instead of doing like the normal cream filling yeah. which is it she put uh matcha in it oh which my dad because he's the one who's given me i never even heard of matcha before have you ever heard of matcha i'm like yes i have because <laughs> it's in magic mind yeah and that's what we've been drinking a lot of yeah uh, to boost and kickstart our day you know, and, and one of our coworkers has actually started taking it, and she was commenting today yeah. how much more productive she felt, which yeah, is good because she needs to be more productive. I, that's true. <laughs> I haven't had one uh, in a while, but then I had one this morning. I'm like, I got a lot going on today. I opened up our office fridge. I yep. saw him in there, and I I took a shot, and I've just been extra productive. I feel uh, like not jittery, just like perked up. Just ready to, to tackle the day, and you probably heard that over the course of this podcast. Yeah, you know, I actually feel as if um, coffee is like almost like a nightmare, like a past bad dream. Like now that I've really limited it, like I looked at – we were talking about cleaning uh, mugs. Um, that's – my coffee mug was so bad, and I know that's what – my teeth – if you go back to pictures of me from like before I started drinking coffee, big difference with like just like how white my teeth were compared to the coffee stains now. Like and I don't feel like the anxiousness and all that stuff – that I felt from the call. I feel more productive. I feel just, I don't know, just better. Yeah, and now they're on the Magic Mind 4.0, which uh, it, it definitely tasted a little different. It was still really good, but um, it was definitely different than the, the last batch we had. I, I did taste a dis- different my, I did taste a difference myself, but I enjoyed the taste yeah, of it. I like it. I do. So we encourage you, if you haven't tried it yet, to try it. There's still uh, – you can still get up to 56% off a subscription. Uh, if you use our code within the next 10 days, you can go to www.magicmind.co backslash native plants. Use the code native plants for uh, 56% off the subscription, or I think it's 20% off a single purchase, but it's a uh, no risk uh, cancel anytime, I think, on the subscription. So uh, if I, I think that's your best deal because I have a feeling once you try it, you're going to like it and you're going to want to keep doing it. So I really recommend going that route. I don't see me not taking it anymore. You know, so. I like um, – I'm just even looking on their website too. When, when You know when you go like and hover over the buy now thing yeah. on certain things? This one, when you hover over it, it says start crushing life. And I agree. <laughs> I feel like I crushed the day. So, oh, all awesome. Right. All right. Let's get into listener shout Yeah, let's crush listener shout-outs. So I thought of one for you, Tom. That oh, good because we did not get a single <laughs> well, written five star review. You just got a uh, caller yesterday who was a former guest that hadn't listened to our podcast before being on. Oh, that's right, that's right. And then was, uh, was mentioning how much that they've discovered it yeah, after they. I have missed that one. That was put right a, in my lap. Yeah, too. yeah. And, so. Uh, that was uh, Sharon Salvaggio, yeah. who was on the the, the milkweed milk. and monarchs episode um, about pesticide the, residues and all that. Yeah, was it the milkweed contamination conundrum? The mil- milkweed contamination conundrum. Yeah, was, so so that yeah, it was. It's always fun when we have a guest on who hadn't wasn't familiar with us previously uh, as a podcast, and then starts to listen after. Uh, we've had a number of those. Yeah, when, and and we had a number who who we knew from the industry and planned to have on. And they just started listening independently, and then they wrote in and like, "Oh, we didn't know you listened to this. This is awesome." Yeah. So, but that was, it's always nice when you have people who appreciate. And uh, and Sharon particularly said she listened to our the follow up episode. Yes, where one of the things that we just discussed what we learned. I think and, it was uh, called 
oh man, not milkweed again. (laughs) (laughs) And just kind of discuss what we learned and and reflected on it a little bit. And like, oh, what are we going to do differently now that we know a lot of this? And, and, um, and she liked that insight too. She's like, that was so valuable from her perspective, hearing that because uh, it gives them a glimpse into what's the next direction. So we're actually working with, um, with Sharon and, uh, and Kelly Gill, her counterpart, Kelly Gill, um, about presenting to the at the New Jersey Nursery and Landscape Association trade show, which is called Total Pro Expo, yeah. um, about that research. Now, Sharon lives on the West Coast, and I was talking with some folks, and it doesn't look like we're going to be able to get her on virtually. So that's why Kelly's pulled in the fold. Sharon's going to get Kelly. Kelly's already in the loop yeah. overall. Um, but Sharon's going to work with her to create a presentation that Kelly can give in person. Awesome. To, and it's a group of nursery people and landscapers who are the, primarily there to earn their pesticide credits to renew their pesticide yes. applicator's license. So you have um, – I, <laughs> I was trying to massage it when I was talking to Kelly and, like, what the crowd's going to be like. Like, oh, yeah, there's going to be people – it's going to open a lot of eyes, yeah. I guess is the best way yeah. to put it. But you're going to have – you're definitely going to have people who are going to be like, oh, this is a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> yeah. You're you know, because they're there to get the credit to spray this stuff. Yeah. You know, but, um, and then this is a talk saying why you shouldn't spray yeah, it. Yeah, but it's gonna. Oh, there's gonna be a lot of people who are like, "Ooh, I didn't even think about that." The yeah. same way we did. Yeah, and they're gonna start thinking about their actions a little bit more. And and it's not gonna be everyone. There's gonna be plenty of people yeah. who are like, "This is a. I can't believe I'm being indoctrinated." And, <laughs> and, and uh, you're, you're thinking of a specific person. <laughs> I know. I know who you're thinking of. <laughs> I'm sure but we'll yeah, see them coming at an upcoming conference soon. But yeah, you're you're going to have plenty of people who feel that way. But I think overall, the I'll put it this way: she's not going to be the most popular person in the building after a, <laughs> after a presentation. She but will be with some people. With some people, she's going to be, and um, and that's a win in my eyes. And that was why I really advocated for getting her in this program or mm-hmm. getting that presentation in this program. Yeah. So and um. Yeah, hopefully we can even get Sharon to do something as like a webinar-based thing. That would be awesome. Later on in the year, because I think there's going to be a lot of really good questions. And, and it was that. just really nice to hear that yeah, she's become a, a listener of the podcast. That that I'm 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 very humbled by that. Yeah, definitely. You know, because she's definitely. someone that we look up to. Yeah. So um, I have a couple that kind of represent both of us. I mm-hmm. know you didn't have five star reviews, but I know you can you can mirror these. These are sentiments in, yeah, as nearly well. as good as five star reviews. For my heart, but not for our our rankings and uh, and, <laughs> and listening listenership. So uh, Miriam Johnson wrote into us, who is is actually in the podcast industry, and, and wrote in and had some very kind words on our podcast and what we're doing. She's also a very avid uh, native plant person, uh, which we love, and we got to talk a little bit about native plants, and we appreciate the feedback, especially from someone being in the industry, to kind of validate what we're doing because um, we don't know. We, we, we don't know what we're doing, but we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to write to us. Uh, Martina Piper wrote to us to uh, let us know that on her Spotify rap, uh, she, we were her top podcast, and she listened for 2,189 minutes this year, which is amazing. I mean I think of anyone listening to us for that long. Could you imagine you, telling our coworkers you know, that you, they had to I listen to I was going to say, this, <laughs> these are the prime candidates to work with us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. So uh, we, we appreciate. I uh, guess it's only 36 hours. So it's yeah, a, no, but that's, that's like a one week of, of working one with One full week. Yeah. yeah. That's, 
Yeah, but I I really pack a lot of talking into that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and the other one didn't write into us, but commented on in our Facebook group, the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group, and it's Andra Pruitt who introduced us to uh, the American naturalist Mary Vaugh Walcott through art that she had purchased and was saying how excited she was to learn about uh, Mary Walcott, and I wasn't familiar with her. Tom, were you familiar? No. No, so it was a very intriguing, interesting find um, and an introduction and made us want to learn more. So we really appreciate that. We really uh, – want to encourage our listeners to to look up some of uh the drawings and information and what Mary Vall Walcott stood for and, and did uh for us cuz it's very important. So uh if you're not a member of the Facebook group, go join and be a part of the post and get a little bit more information and do some research on your own and learn cuz this is uh very important as far as uh ecology and what she was able to accomplish. So yeah, no, great great choices, Frank. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um but if you do a five star review, Tom will give you a personalized uh, shout out on the next buzz. Yeah. Did we, not, none, we, there were five star reviews, just nothing that nothing that yeah wrote in. So. Yeah. we could make it up, but oh, well, I, I don't need. Yeah, I don't even know who they are. <laughs> it's the, <laughs> the only way I can actually know who gave us a five star review is if you write something yeah. there, so I can see it. But even though there yeah. were no f- written five star reviews, we did have a question this week. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. It's a simple question. Um, no, I didn't hear you. What was your question? And this is a very interesting question because I have to say honestly it's something that I hadn't thought about, and it really made me think for a second. And I don't know if I even have a good answer, but I am going to play that question right now. Hey, friend and Tom. My name's Nick. I'm someone who's pretty early in my native planting journey. I'm still in the obsessive researching phase. Um, I'm wondering if you uh, have any advice for someone who lives in an area where there uh, are concerns about rats. I live in a inner suburb of Detroit, and um, I've noticed on uh, neighborhood Facebook groups and things like that, while people are very excited about all of the native planting and pollinator gardens that are popping up, there's just as much concern about attracting more rats, which we don't need in our area. So I'm wondering if there's any advice you can have for someone like me, uh, maybe certain plants to avoid or, I don't know, put up an owl house or something. Um, I love the podcast. Uh, keep it up. Thanks. That's a great question. So uh, first of all, I have to say go wings. So I wanted to get that out there. Having yeah, a good Fran is one of those week. strange people who's a, a fan of the Red Wings, even though he lives near Philadelphia. Yeah, diehard Eagles, yeah. Sixers, Phillies, and then Red Wings. Yeah. And then, oh, I guess, yeah, I was going to say that, that big rivalry between the Flyers and the Red Wings was mid-90s, 90, right? 96. So you were probably a Red Wings fan by that point already. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I was. And it was, I was not very popular. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would make it, sense. It goes without saying. Although a lot of my coworkers were Devils fans mm-hmm. who beat the Red Wings in 94. So, okay. So yeah. it's it's not really like, you know. That was at the time they were like, "Oh, big deal, you know, we beat you, we beat you two years ago." But um, what I was thinking for this, like, I it immediately this made me think of parts of Philadelphia where rats are a big issue. Like, I think of the Fishtown, uh, Kensington area that's kind of closer to the Delaware River. 
Like I've seen – we were just talking the other day that I've, I've, I've seen rats cross the street that were as big as cats that made me stop and ponder mm-hmm. whether I should actually cross the street. <laughs> you know, But I think building any habitat, whether it's native or non-native, is going to attract rats. I don't know that I, – I, I haven't been able to find anything that says that rats are attracted to any particular plant. It's more the habitat and the yeah. shelter. Mm-hmm. But I think you kind of hit on something when you talked about owl boxes with – if you create enough native habitat for predators for rats and mm-hmm. birds and raptors, I think you know you'll go from an unbalanced ecosystem to a balanced ecosystem. You have to kind of create habitat for the predators where they're more present, where rats won't want to be present. That's my initial thought. Tom, do you have any? You know, any? I I don't, but okay. I know here. I, one of the things I've heard a lot when it comes to the native plant habitat is people say, oh, it's going to attract mice near my house. And I have plenty of mice I in my old that house that was, with no native yeah, I habitat. I thought that was unfounded. Yeah. I think it was just – it's what, people don't like change. It's yes. really what it comes down to. People don't necessarily like change, and um, and that's like a reason they, they can BS themselves a little bit. So that they don't have to change. I couldn't find. And that was. I couldn't find anything scientific saying yeah, the only that native plants attract more was, rats. Uh, there's something from the Santa Cruz Sentinel, and it says dealing with rats and shady native native plants this week in the garden. And then I looked it up, but it was two separate. It was dealing with rats in your garden, and then native plants for shady sites. It wasn't. I was like, oh wow, the first thing I found is, is yeah. about this. But um, rodent attracting plants to avoid putting your garden. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. Yeah, so I like to me. That's I think if you're creating habitat that didn't exist, say it was an empty lot, anything you put there is going to attract rats. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's going to be like the Pied Piper where they're coming in just for that habitat, but if you can create enough habitat for you know maybe you want to do some shrubs with some uh, that's good habitat and burying for yeah. For birds to attract them or raptors, birds of prey. What, and what I'd assume is um, – I, I found another article here that's uh, about like what to avoid with rodent attracting plants to avoid putting in your garden. And it's like some stuff that you shouldn't put in. And then it's saying don't, definitely don't put invasive plants, which is an interesting tidbit to add in there. Yeah. Um, but then it's like good garden plants to keep rodents away. And it's marigolds, garlic, daffodils, black pepper, rosemary – which leads me down the path of if you put things that are a little more fragrant, your Monardas, your Pycnanthemums, Pycnanthemum so you like so your yeah. uh, what's a wild bergamot, mountain mint, that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, the Agastache, which is a um, like an anise uh, hyssop. Those kind of things that are a little bit more fragrant are things we often recommend to keep deer away too. And they're fantastic for and, pollinators. Um, they're yeah. great for pollinators. So I would assume that's probably well. I know with mice that they don't like peppermint. Is yeah. like at least what I've read. Um, or like ants don't like cinnamon. Yeah, you know, so like things like that. So. I would guess you have these minty plants that it's going to help with that issue too. So that would be my yeah. guess. It's not that's not a scientific fact. What we're saying that's just based on what you're what you mentioned. Our best guess would think that these would counteract those fears because I think they're fears, not scientific fact. So I think yeah. if you're if you're doing some of these things, it will help pr- dispel oh, that. This. Pet, what's this predator predator free oh predator free new zealand.com <laughs> uh, native plants show potential as uh future rat toxins 
That's really? A good one to look up later. Wow. For New Zealand stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a interesting, really. Poisonous Plants, the Rat Fan Club. Oh, man. <laughs> Google's a good one here. Oh, Epic Gardening, which is a YouTube channel I watch. Rat Proof Garden, how to get rid of rodents in your garden. Let's see what they recommend. All right. Uh, skip the mulch. Get a All cat. Right. Don't no, I don't recommend no, that. No, 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 no. Not cat. Plant mints. Um, the cats are going to get rid of the birds. That put up solar powered repellers. Right. Uh, create a border of herbs, which I, I've heard people doing yeah. for deer. Is like yeah. you have this shrub that you don't want the deer to. Well, they plant a whole bunch of those like monardas, pygnanthemums, yeah. that kind of stuff around it to kind of keep them away because they have to go through this yes. plant now to get the the more desirable plant. Use humane mouse traps. Uh, store pet food securely. Build a sturdy fence. Sprinkle instant potatoes. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, instant potatoes are cheap, and they are surprisingly effective at eliminating rodents. Simply sprinkle a few tablespoons of the powder wherever you suspect a mouse infestation. The mice will eat them, and after they do, the flakes will expand in their stomachs. This sounds oh, this sounds like the whole thing like with giving, the like, rice and the birds and or, all that. Giving that seagulls Alka-Seltzer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right, since their stomachs are so small, the mice won't stand a chance, and they will die before the potatoes can be digested. However, wow. if you have other pets, be careful that they don't eat your potato flakes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, that's an, probably if you're attracting other wildlife, that's maybe not the way you want to go. Yeah, and then, uh, then, and it's again, the last one was planting onions around the garland, uh, garden and onion leaf garlic, that kind of fragrant thing that apparently mice and, and rats don't like. So yeah, awesome. uh, there's. Take our advice with a grain of salt. Yes. Since we are not experts, we did find a, a dead rat in our office. That was we did. interesting. That was um, that was very interesting. Yeah. And so. like your story in the where's where's the worst place you've seen rats? Was it in Philadelphia? It was Philadelphia. It was I was at a concert right off of South Street at the Theater of Living Arts, and I was walking down Bainbridge to get to my car, and mm. it was like midnight, and this rat crossed the street with confidence, <laughs> and it was big, and it was mangy. And it stopped and looked at me, and I stopped and looked at it, and it just kept walking and went in the sewer. And then I stood there for a few minutes going, um, I feel like I'm walking into a trap. <laughs> you know, like I went up on the sidewalk and ran. Uh, but, you know, the rats in that part of Philadelphia are pretty bad, but that doesn't discourage them from creating native plant habitat. Yeah, so, yeah the the worst I ever saw was, um, was uh, in Paris, which is known for being a – a very rat infested city. And it was like, we were walking by a garbage can and the, there's like a bag of garbage next to it. And it was like, it was moving. <laughs> and then you get close and like, Oh, there's rat. And you know how there's like grates or yeah. like the great yeah. metal garbage cans that they're like going in and out. And oh. it was, it was really, it was really kind of creepy. It looked like yeah. a movie type yeah. thing, like a horror movie type esque thing. And this was, this was literally, there, if you've yeah. been to Paris, there's that little island where Notre Dame is. It, that was like the plaza right there. Yeah. Um, so this was a well-trafficked part of the city. Oh. And uh, there's a lot of people around, and the rats didn't care. They loved it. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Let's move on. But Maybe Nick, one of them was a great <laughs> chef. So. Maybe. <laughs> but, Nick, thank you for such a great question and calling in. We appreciate it. So that was a fantastic question. You don't have a girl read a book. No, but, but we do need to move on to our topic because yeah. we've been talking over an hour already. Yeah. Um. So the last episode, it was great for the feedback. the The last buzz before the end of the year was the the top ten episodes of all time. Mm-hmm. Um. And we heard back from some of the listeners that they hadn't listened to some of these and went back. And then we did best of and played two episodes 
uh, mm-hmm. that we both really liked. And there were listeners that, again, commented like, oh, I hadn't made it back that far. So it was great to hear these. Yeah. Or I, I bought the books. And and folks who said, oh, well, I got a text today from Bill Young saying this is going to be a listener shout out saying yeah. I love the, those are two of my favorite episodes. And I was so glad to listen to him again. So, yeah, yeah so it's um we we thought it was great saying what the most listened to episodes were and 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 some of the best stuff. But we wanted to go back and talk about some of our favorites that aren't going to make that list. Um, at least not yet. We're maybe after we mention them, people will go back and say, "Oh, we hadn't listened to these, and we're going to go back and uh, and and revisit them." Mm-hmm. So you want to go back and forth? I'll do one. You yeah, do one. go ahead. So I, you know, I know these. This is more recent, but both episodes with Dr. Peter Groffman, which is uh, Your Lawn Does What, Parts 1, or mm-hmm. is that what it was? Your Lawn Does yeah, What, your Parts lawn 1 does and what, 2, part which one and two, yeah. uh, episodes 134 and 136. Uh, I learned a lot from Dr. Groffman. I was really surprised that he's not someone that we knew. Yeah. Um, I was happy that someone, uh, Skip Burns, recommended him to us uh, from a podcast he had listened to, and he was a fantastic guest. I think he enjoyed being on, mm-hmm. and I'm sure this is just the beginning of a beautiful relationship uh, with with Dr. Groffman. Yeah, so, definitely. but uh, his the first one, uh, part one, is I think holds the record for the most listens first week. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Easy, uh, you know, and that that was very nice to see. So um, I was very happy, and and I wanted to point. That. I know they're recent. More than likely, if you're listening to this, you've listened to them. Uh, actually. Uh, Miriam Johnson, who we gave a shout out to, said she learned a lot from those episodes. Yeah. So, um, one, I'm just, I, we said it last year, and I just want to give another plug because it's probably my favorite episode we recorded ever, and that was the one with Sam Thayer. Yeah, and I don't remember what number it was, but uh, it, it was early on. Yeah, he's um, he's like the guru when it comes to foraging, or one of the gurus. And uh, no, it was just went way different directions than I ever expected, and it was just really, really insightful. Um, but then the list I made for this year. Uh, I the first one I had was episode 124, which is the Moth Night episode that I did, and you weren't there, and um, and it was just it was different. It was, it was different, cool. Yeah. It was a really just low key conversation. I learned a ton, and it was it's something I want to do again. Um, I want to do it every year. I want to do it multiple times a year, and yeah. uh, and we even thought about tying it into. Or, talk about someone different too. Like there, there was someone else doing something very similar. Yeah, doing, like it'd be interesting to have a, someone different mm-hmm. come out and do it and see what kind of results we yeah, get. Yeah, and um, one of the things we we even talked about having it with our appreciation dinner is having yes. something set up. But the issue there is we didn't want people staying too late and or or drinking too much, which was that's a tough but, one. <laughs> uh, but I think that would be really cool because the, the folks that come to that are, are really into it. So oh, totally, totally. Um. I had a ton of fun, and I know this was last. This was Tom's idea, and you know, Tom, you don't get enough credit. That, and I don't know if a lot of people realize that when you listen to the Buzz episodes or some of these uh, standalone episodes, you're responsible for those formats. When you think about like listener questions, this oh, or that, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that's hot. Like these were grow read a book. These were all your ideas, or to have. Like the Moth Knights, or to have a rooted discussion. Mm-hmm. Like these were. Uh, I wouldn't give too much credit to myself because I just listen to a lot of podcasts and <laughs> just say, "Hey, that's something we could do." <laughs> but but you at least recognize <laughs> yeah. it, and we made it work. Yep, yep. For, for us. So you know, th- and one of these is native plant trivia, which is episode one thirty two, which we had a guest cancel last minute, and we were able to uh, Tom put questions together, mm-hmm. and that was really entertaining, and I learned a lot. Yeah, um, and we, I, I want to have another round of that at some point. I we were thinking to, about doing it between the holidays, and it's like we got too much going on. And I to didn't bring want someone to get, in here. I didn't want it to get lost yeah. either. 
So, um, yeah, we want to have another round. I was even thinking, Fran, um, this would be a little more difficult to do, but it's something we could potentially do when we're at Mance this week. Oh, okay. And uh, and not bring the whole setup, but bring our little mobile yeah. setup, and, and we're going to have a group of a captive audience there, so... And it's instead a, of a hotel room, we actually have like a yeah. – we could invite them back. Yep. We could do yep. it. Uh, just sit down and do a, a quick native plant review. That yeah. would be awesome. Yep. So, well, How fun would it be to get someone like John McGee and, and – Oh, yeah, because yeah. then we can get we can get some ringers in yes. that room. So. Yes, totally. Um, totally. We'll, we'll try and make, at least get a podcast down there, if not yes. make a trivia come together. And before I forget, Sam Thayer was Meet the Foragers Harvest. Harvest, yes. And it was yeah. episode 40. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty early on. Yeah. Um, so the, the second one for me is uh, is the one I recorded down in um, Kentucky in Kentucky at the Eastern Native Grassland Symposium. And that was uh, called I called it spreading the gospel, but it was with Kyle Liebarger and Shannon Trimboli. So Kyle Liebarger from Native Habitat Project, and then Shannon Trimboli from uh, Backyard Ecology. We were all supposed to have Jake, who's Kyle's co-host and also partner with Native Habitat Project, but he he had. A big, big like business deal going oh, down. So okay. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah you can do, take care of that. And we'll knock this out. Um, but that was just a lot of fun, and it just to be in the same room with people who are trying to accomplish the same thing uh, to varying degrees of success. It's a different um, vibe that yeah. you get from a normal because the the normal podcast we have a format. People yep. are coming in, and even if they, especially if they haven't listened. Yeah. They don't know what's you coming know. It's up. funny. I was in one of these native plant groups, and someone was asking for like YouTube series, and and someone and then they started keying on podcasts, and someone wrote, "I love." There's some of the native plant podcasts I like, but I find some of them to be too chatty. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's about me." I thought about commenting just like in jest. Oh, I know who that is. Facebook can yeah not not always. Yeah. Um, people don't always understand. Uh, satire and that kind of stuff i, I would just be like oh yeah i know i i know who i know the review i still wear that review with a badge of honor <laughs> oh no this wasn't the review this was someone actually in a facebook but group. i'm wondering if oh, it's if the, it's person the same person that gave the oh it review. could be that's what I'm or I, I bet there's multiple people who think we're too chatty for it. it's i don't think it's just one person some of them live <laughs> under the same roof that i do <laughs> um, my uh my third one would be the Native Plants Healthy Planet Live uh podcast that we did with Dr. Randy Eckel uh for the Native Plant Society in New Jersey. That was episode one thirty. And I loved being able to do it in front of a live a live audience and see reactions and have people interact with us, which is something that we have never gotten, especially since we started this and COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later. We're coming up on three years, by the yeah. way. February twenty yeah, fifth, uh will be three years. Um so, by the way, I had to look ahead. At the end of five years, we'll be at 250 episodes. Wow. So uh, that that will be an exciting landmark for us. But it was just nice. Dr. Randy Eckel was a fantastic guest. We learned a lot from her. It was fun having the energy of a live crowd, and I would really love to do that again. I, I don't want yeah, that to be too. a one-off. I would love to have that opportunity again at some point. Yeah, so then um, the third one I'll I'll point out it was episode 113, which was uh, about Pinelands Nursery seed production, where I had on my brother, and yeah. Fran was also not here. And yes. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing like a a trend. I was waiting there. for you to pick up on that pattern. <laughs> Fran. Yeah, there's a trend. I was I really only put a lot of well, I really enjoyed those episodes, but I put that in there and really just take a subtle dig at Fran. But, yeah, all my favorite episodes, the one where you. Were. <laughs> But, but um, yeah, so that was with my brother, which was a lot of fun. We got a lot of great feedback about that because it kind of pulled back the curtain yes. 
on what it was like to grow up at a nursery and then also kind of grow with the nursery in a sense. Yeah. And and some of the things that we were doing and what we were thinking about. But um, the other one I had on there for real was episode 114, which was with the Outdoor Equity Alliance. And it was another one. It was, I had a fim- similar feeling with that one. Yes. As I did with Dr. Groffman. I'm like, how is this happening right in our backyard? And we had no idea. Yeah. And, I, um, I agree. So it's a, an organization we want to become more involved with yeah. in, in 2023. And I love that not only have, have do we feel that way, Renata Bard feels that way mm-hmm. and has kept in touch with us. And she came out to our um, – um, what do you call it? Uh, we have yeah. our, our appreciation yeah. dinner yeah. where we have some customers and uh, – this is like a, a private event. Colleagues, we have some colleagues. Acquaintances, it's colleagues a good mix of people who are in all spectrum of the field, whether they're actually doing the restoration work – they're doing the design. They're doing some of the regulatory stuff and oversight, or um, or just the education and and outreach type yeah. stuff. So we get a good mix of people. She came to that. I was really glad to see her there. Yes. And uh, although I did already drop the ball once, where uh, I, I had a mix up in dates, we were going to oh. provide some centerpieces for an event they were holding, and um, and then I got home that night. I, she said she needed them on Thursday, and I got home. It's Thursday night, and I'm like. Oh, yeah, she never called me back about the centerpieces. Uh, Let me make sure she meant Thursday, not tomorrow. She would. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, yeah, it's going on right now. Like, uh, uh, do you want me to drive them up? That's okay. We will, we'll will yeah, make we'll, that up. We'll make it up to her. We'll make that up. Uh, so. And my last one was uh, the Headwaters podcast talking about uh, white, white bark pine mm-hmm. and Glacier National Park. And it was nice to – it's one of those instances where we – it was nice to speak with another podcast host. Yeah. But someone who's boots on the ground that's doing a mm-hmm. lot of great work and what they experienced and just to have that kind of connection with them. And uh, it, it was a, it was fantastic. Yeah. And what's um, – Harry was a fantastic guest. Yeah, she was wonderful. That was a lot of fun. And, uh, and my wife and I have been talking about maybe taking a trip out west with our son. Um, and one of the places we talked about was going to Yellowstone and Glacier. And spend a lot of time in like in western Montana, and um, so I was thinking about giving Perry a call oh, or that email would be and saying, "Hey, she, hey, just so you know, we might be out there in I don't know sometime over the summer." She did throw that offer out yep, there yep. To, to catch up if we make it out that yeah. way. So those, if you're unfamiliar with any, did you have another one? I did have one more. Okay, I know I skipped around, so I could pull my little prank okay. on you. No, no um, the last one I had was episode 120, which was the Nature Conservancy Cities Program. Fantastic episode. Um, yeah, was Johnny was Johnny was a ton of fun. Yeah, Johnny and it's Johnny Keyspay, Doctor Johnny, Johnny Keyspay, and uh, yeah, just what they're doing in some of these urban settings, and some of the stuff that he's talked to us about off the air that he's like, I don't want to include in the podcast because it's yeah. not a done deal yet. Yes. Um. So, and I want to make sure that we're doing it before we do it. Is like some of the ideas you have are just fantastic, and I can't wait to to be a part of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And so. we've talked to him. I know since then he's uh, connected with Cass Urban Mead mm-hmm. with some things that how he can work together with uh, the Nature Conservancy can work together with the Xerces Society, and and we've talked about a couple other things too, grants and things that we see coming up uh, through New Jersey. So uh, that 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 was just a wonderful episode. I agree with you on that one. Yeah. So yeah. I I would say if. And if you haven't heard these, go back and revisit them the same way with the top ten. These are these are our top. Is it top ten? Let's see, four, 
five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, that's our top ten. Mm-hmm. So try and to, these are and these more are more recent, recent ones yeah. too. We did one last year too. So if you go back a year ago to almost the day, you'll find our episode from where we did our own top ten. Yeah. Last year as well. So, so go back and, and check some of these out. We think you'll be happy that you did, and uh, or at least we hope you did. Yeah. You will. So, and I got to take it or leave it for you. I see that, and uh, I like this question. Yeah, because it's something that just kind of hit me as I was walking through our parking lot, and <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. It's, and it was, was it a bus or was it a truck? <laughs> <laughs> but the. I, I noticed a couple broken plastic mm-hmm. uh, plant labels on the ground, and I started thinking, you know, plant labels, which are mainly plastic, mm-hmm. are a big expense for a lot of nurseries. Not so much us. Like we, we keep it very minimal. We don't tag mm-hmm. every plant, and it's just enough so that you know what the plant is. But when you think of retail, like some of these are novels that yeah. are attached in both size and length. Um, giving information and especially with technology, I was thinking that some of these could just be a QR code at this point to take mm-hmm. you, uh, you know, to identify the plant and take you to where the information is. So I'm just thinking, like, where do these plant labels go? Like, I our propagator said he's been at the jobs that he know that we supplied 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and he has found our labels yeah. out there. Yep. So is this a hindrance for what's going on or is it just – some people are just throwing them away and then in some instances they're living forever? Yeah, there's a lot that – I know I've been to job sites and so when we sell a flat of of plugs, um, so herbaceous plants, we put one tag in the whole flat. It's not like all 50 plants get a tag. It's one – there's one tag per flat. And um, But you go to a place that just got 10,000 flats – you have 10,000 tags that are out there and people try and pick them up, but I, you know, they miss a lot. And even if, so you miss 10% yeah. out of 10,000 flats. Like, so you still have a whole, what? A thousand plant labels out there. Right. Yeah. So that's a lot of plastic. Yeah. Um, it's but one is, of those I wish I could leaf it, but I, I don't know what you do otherwise. I was going to say, is there really but, an alternative? Scale. Is there an yeah. alternative? I don't I know, know what a lot of a lot of smaller nurseries do when they're where they're still handwriting tags. Yeah, um, they'll use popsicle sticks. Which so now you have a wood product, and it, it makes sense. Yeah, we can't. I do don't that. know how we can't how, do that. I don't like how many popsicle sticks would we have to. We'd probably have as much plastic in in wrappers for the popsicle sticks as we would have well, plant labels. When, when I first started in the nursery industry. That was your winter project. You yep. hand wrote all the labels because mm-hmm. there there weren't printers. And if there were, you didn't have the technology yep. or the database or even the print. You know, like you you didn't have mm-hmm. you didn't have the means for it in the eighties. And it's um now you go to the retail side of things. I don't know what you could use that you could put um a whole edition of Harry Potter on. Listen, for, for the Mon- plant label. Monrovia, their building that houses their labels is the size of our whole office. Yes. Oh, I imagine. You know, so if you think about that, mm-hmm. or at least it was back in yeah. the early 2000, late 90s, early 2000s. I know there's probably people who are thinking about this because the biggest knock, well, I wouldn't say the biggest knock. One of the knocks on the nursery industry um, is that, and I'd say the biggest knock on the native plant nursery industry is you rely on a lot of plastic we do our plants come in plastic pots you have plastic labels and 
even though we're doing something that is supposed to be environmentally impactful or in a good way, um, you have a, a negative connotation with all the plastic. Um, and it's, but I don't know what we've talked about with the pot. I don't know what else we do yet. We've been, we've been actively looking for options with the pots. Um, a lot of people, uh, you're growing something that's green and you're like, well, I'm using a lot of black stuff to do it, um, with the pots and, and all the plastic that goes into it. It's, uh, yeah, it's just. I, I don't know what you do it, yet. It's still coming. We've seen products out there that are work that they're more suited to a one year crop, mm-hmm. yeah. like annuals, yeah. uh, where you can get away from the pots, mm-hmm. uh, where it's like a a, a root maker type mm-hmm. uh, sleeve. Yeah. Um, now with the the labels, I've seen places that go where with no label but then they print it on the pot but now you can only use that pot for that plant yes you can't so even like let's say it's a, a proven winner's pot the white the white pot you can put the plant information on the pot but if it's a for a, a peony it's got to be you can only put a peony in that pot because if you put a, a zinnia in that pot and now it's got the wrong information on it yeah. um there's there's a whole it's amazing how much goes into making these labels too, like the the market research. Yeah, I remember a story. I think I've even told it here, where uh, they were doing like the planting instructions for a plant, and instruction number one was dig a V shaped hole, and people couldn't figure out how to dig a hole in the ground like the letter V. Like if you, <laughs> I guess it's hard to describe. Over, yeah, but if you there. The implication they was dig a V sideways. vertically, like into yeah. the ground. People were trying to dig a V horizontally. horizontally, like as if you were drawing it on top of the ground. And and that's like from a nursery perspective, oh, man, that's like really basic information. Yeah. But the consumer that didn't have the nursery background really struggled with. And that was t- like number one on the to-do list for, for how to plant this plant. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of market research that goes into what is on those labels yeah. to making I, sure it's easy to understand and has good information. I would love to leave it, you know, but I agree. There's not a way like when, when you look at technology, our website, every plant has its own page with all the information that you could want for mm-hmm. that plant. So if it had a QR code, you could scan it and go to that mm-hmm. to get all the information and you could keep it instead of putting it in the ground. Yeah. I would love for it to be a way that, cause you're watering plants. If they're in a garden center, they're water. If it's mm-hmm. something that. You could keep that. You could put in a binder, or yeah, or if it was a magnet that went on your, I, I don't know. Yeah, the, what I keep coming to when I think about it is, <laughs> oh, they have those. Um, I think they've made straws out, but the, like the green um, plant-based plastics, yeah. and you start using that. But I don't know what the life. Of, and then you have to it. have it so that it's like in go get in a roll and on a printer. So you can print it, yeah. And that's for a very basic label. Now you start talking the ones that, like I said, have a whole novel on them. It's they they can reduce yeah. that. I think I know there's marketing behind it, mm-hmm. but I think at some point think, it's going to turn of, people. A away lot of folks from... have gone to just putting a smaller label with a QR code that then has a web page with the instructions, so you don't have to print it on every yeah. single plant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like we we're using very few labels where you go to other places. There's a label on every pot, and yeah. um, I guess technically we have a label on with our when you have a flat of plugs, but yeah. when we ship a hundred but there's 50, yeah, we, we have maybe five to 10 labels. Like there's one, what, one per 10 plant, one per five or one, one per 10. Per five, yeah. one per 10. 
So we try and limit the amount of labels we're putting out there because it's it costs a lot of money too. Those yeah. labels are not cheap, and they're also going to landscape professionals that should know the plant material. So yeah. when they see it and they go, "This is that," should should, should. not. No, it's not it's always surprising when you but show up it, some it's, places. It's more complicated yeah. in a truck with a lot of diversity yeah. on it. But if you're only getting three items, yep, a lot of the times true. it's it's easy enough to tell them apart. Yeah. So yeah, it's one of those I'd love to leaf it, but I don't we know how yet. we do it yet. Someone is going to come up with that, and I would I would spend. It's probably in the next five years. Someone's going to have a. That's when we'll see the first start of someone having an answer. So if you if you're going to garden center and you're you're buying a plant and it's got a novel attached to it, you know, leave your feedback with that nursery that maybe it would be a little more green if they they used a QR code and less information uh, to make that so to reduce, especially if it's plastic or if you see a, someone using something that we hadn't mentioned, we would love to know that too. Go to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. Give us your feedback. Just a, a, another little aside. I've been getting ads for these. Um, I forget what they're called, but they're basically these metal um, plant labels for like in your garden. Oh yeah. yeah, and they're like, but they're like shaped like little little gnomes, and they have like the hats. But yeah, but they've they have the hats tend to be or part of the gnome will have to be like has something to do with the, what the plant is. Mm-hmm. But they have like a marijuana label, and it's got mm-hmm. like marijuana leaves all over the gnome hat. <laughs> the gnome looks a little bit more sluggish than the other gnomes. I love that. Oh my god, that's okay. pretty good marketing. Yeah, there you go. Well, would there be a what plant would have a juggalo? Juggalo gnome? What would it be? I don't even. Would know. it be black <laughs> black locust? Yeah. <laughs> or black walnut or black, black walnut, walnut sorry yeah, yeah. black walnut would be, it would be juggling snigger so all right well that's going to wrap us up for today thank you for joining us we hope you enjoyed listening to the buzz thank you everyone for listening to native plants healthy planet presented by pinelands nursery thank you rj comer for our buzz theme music make sure you stream or buy rj's music on itunes spotify or wherever you consume your music or check out his americana playlist on pandora you'll be glad that you did follow us on twitter at pineland nursery facebook at pinelands nursery nj instagram at native plants underscore healthy planet and youtube at pinelands nursery don't forget about the question and comment line call us just like nick did if you have a question or comment at 215-346-6189 i will repeat that 215-346-6189 ask a question or leave a comment uh we'll play it on a future episode of the buzz and answer it to the best of our ability and uh I think we're at 1.4 thousand uh, members of the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group, and I think I only had to ban one person for spam in the last good. Uh, over the oh, holidays. Man. So I, I know good. just sitting here, we got like three or four more people requested yeah, to join. Too. That's fantastic, and and the conversations were great. We mentioned Andra Pruitt uh, with her discovery, and there were some other great articles. So make sure you know you can talk to other like-minded people by joining the group, yeah, and it's definitely. good conversation, and everyone's welcome. Yeah, so um, you can buy our Native Plants Healthy Planet shirts at our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. It's a little different format. Fran just redid it, yeah. and um, there's still the there's just All a the link on the top with the banner yeah. there. All, everything basically looks the same, but yeah. it's just a little bit cleaner format. Yes. Um, if you click on that link, it'll take you to a Teespring store. There's lots of cool designs out there, and it's not just T-shirts. There's phone cases and aprons and all kinds of different stuff on there. Um, you can also listen to our podcast at www.nativeplantshealthyplant.com, um, but you're probably going to listen on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, yeah. really wherever you consume your podcast. So um, if you listen on a platform like Apple Podcasts or Spotify that lets you rate our podcast, we really appreciate it if you rate five stars. And uh, if you leave a little write-up with that, especially on Apple Podcasts, and then I get to see it, um, I get to feel good for a few minutes. 
<laughs> and then I give you a shout out on the buzz. And uh, and then what it also does for us and, and for you and for native plants is it pushes us in a position where more people are going to see our our podcast show up on their Apple podcast feed, mm-hmm. on their Spotify feed. You're, you're spreading and, the um, word. And it yeah. just spreads the word. It spreads our message, which hopefully is something you want other people to listen and, to. And there's a lot of great ways to do that. Buy a shirt. I, I just bought four long sleeve shirts for myself to wear to conferences and trade shows. And it gets people asking questions and you can refer them to the podcast. Um, it's just a lot of good ways that you can you can spread that message, especially like those reviews. If you can pop us up higher on the charts, more people will see it. And I do want to reiterate that really when you reach out and send us an email or you give us a review and you write something, makes makes our day. Like oh, coming yeah. back from the holiday and, and seeing the, the email messages with the, the kind words was, was very, very wonderful. Yeah. Brent, I, I completely forgot about I don't have secret. a secret. I think we're it's, secretless. Well, I guess the one I would do is uh, – <laughs> this is a, probably a good one too – is um, I re- – for – for a long time have been on like the reusable water bottle kick. Yes. Like since I was in college, I would always use them. What I used to do, cause I was too cheap to actually buy one mm-hmm. is I would get, um, there was a, an energy drink. I don't remember what it's called, but it would come in like this It was more found in the Midwest. It came in like a camouflage can and some of them were orange and some of them were brown, but it was metal. It, okay. it was like a harder yeah. metal, and I would just use that as my, like my okay. reusable water yeah. bottle, and I would take that everywhere. And people were like, "Man, you drink a lot of energy drinks." I'm like, no, it's <laughs> it's just water. And I just like the yeah, I like the bottle, and I'm cheap. And um, and then eventually, uh, someone got me as a gift, uh, like a Yeti mug. Okay, and uh, then I was using that all the time. And um, there was like a good period of time, like, oh yeah, I really should clean this. But I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I just kept forgetting to. And then my wife went and filled it up for me one day, and she's like, I had to wash that for you because it was just disgusting. I uh, knew it was gross because yeah. I was like, there's, like, black rings in here and stuff, and the straw, I, like, wiped out the top. I'm like, oh, that shouldn't be a different color. And um, But I still was drinking out of it. And oh. They can get really dirty. They are. And, you know, some like of these, really, so you, some of these reusable these ones are clean. harder to clean, too. Yeah. Like, like I've, I just got a new one. I, I my brother that. gave me a Hydro Flask. For uh for Christmas and I've been using that because I don't know I didn't want to stick stickers on anything but I have all these stickers and I'm like oh, I'm gonna stick looks this on good. a thing so I stuck them on this one and it looks cool I got our native plants LA plant stickers I got a lacrosse sticker on here I got one from the Kentucky Natural Lands Trust that yeah, they that's awesome me. so yeah I got some stuff on there but yeah I'm like I my hands not gonna fit in there to clean this thing no so. we we I I have a Yeti that I bought last summer and my wife I'm trying to remember what kind she has but we went out and bought special cleaning things to make sure. You can't fit your hands in some of yeah. those, so yeah. we're definitely. Yeah, doing that's that. uh, that's going to be the case with. <laughs> that has been the case of mine is I don't clean them regularly enough. I, uh, yeah. yeah, keep that in mind when you're you're doing stuff. Yeah, so totally. Fran, your phone sounds like it's going to blow up, so I think we should wrap it up there. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. I'm Tom, <laughs> and I am Fran. Thanks again, everyone. Coming up, we have uh, a great guest. Um, I don't want to spoil it though. Yeah, I will say they're from the National Wildlife Foundation, so. Make sure you tune in and uh, listen to that one. And until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.